Hey, what's happening? It's Tuesday, October the 5th, 2021. I hope you guys are doing well. I'm sorry. Had another breakaway. <clears throat> Family, visiting, stuff going on. It's all good. Um, should have a nice stretch where I don't have as much keeping me away. Work, the usual stuff. Um, lots to talk about in the warped world of DC, the internets. It's been crazy in the past about five days. Uh, last we spoke, we were expecting uh, Pelosi to be unable to put together a deal uh, for the um, massive spending package they want into the tune of $3.5 trillion before the end of the fiscal year. She wasn't able to do it. They did get together and vote to keep the government open, which was a smart move. Um because they weren't even close. What you have now, and we'll talk about it, uh, is the progressive caucus um, being led by someone named Payapal, you know, representative of an area of the country that is probably more out of touch and unrelated to anything we live. Uh, she's running the country right now. The Democratic Progressive Caucus in the House of Representatives is running the show. There's no getting around it. That's basically what AOC believes, right? That is right along with um, the squad. And so they're, they've got more power now and they are hard and fast at the 3.5 trillion and over level of progressive spending. And we still have mansion and cinema holding out, but there has been a development, one that disappoints me a little bit. We'll get into it. Um, we'll update you on uh, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller. Talked about him a couple weeks ago. He's the gentleman who spoke out against his command after the Afghanistan debacle. I agreed with everything he said, uh, although being an active duty officer in the Marine uh, Marine Corps, you can't do that. You can't go on Facebook. It's a violation of the Uniform Code of Mili Military Justice. Now, is it a major one? No. And it's not one that is deserving of being thrown in what's called pretrial confinement. But he was thrown in pretrial confinement without any... Um, any rights afforded to him. That is extremely rare, I know from experience, for someone that's facing a charge of simply dereliction of duty. No one was threatened. He wasn't a threat to anyone in his command, anyone in his life, but he was put in jail as if he was a danger. But I'll give you an update regarding where he stands. Apparently, he is out of the brig now, and it's a very complex case. They obviously want to bury the man, and hopefully they don't get away with it. Uh, he, he needs help. I think he's... Um, beyond stress. Some of the things he's said, uh, you know, he's an angry guy. I think he has a right to be, but he's really recently rejected the support of, of all Trump supporters, including Trump, even though every dollar raised for him in a GoFundMe comes from MAGA nation, for lack of a better term. So he's not really showing any kind of gratitude, but he's a guy that's angry at the government to a level of not wanting to hear from anyone in power. And I can understand that. Uh, I'll, we'll get into the story there. There's another guy, and it's all related to January 6th. That's really, you know, really kind of falling on its face right now, and it's fun to see. We'll talk a little bit about what's going on with those cases, how there are a number of citizens still in jail with no charges against them, uh, with judges extending the um, the their incarceration pre-trial. Uh, anytime the federal government, anytime the um, DOJ attorneys ask for it. And, you know, they claim it's a complex case. They're still gathering evidence. Well, what they're doing, the people that are being, quote, convicted are are getting misdemeanor charges right now. 
it's looking pretty bad because this is supposedly an insurrection. That's a massive, massive accusation. I mean, it's right there with treason. And if you're going to toss that around and as CNN labels it, MSNBC labels it an insurrection as if it's locked in gospel, there better be some people charged with insurrection. I don't believe those hearings are going well. I think they're going to end up being a total flop. They've been unable to connect Donald Trump or anybody in Republican congressional leadership to it. And now they're they're just wanting to get their arrest statistics up. And it's dangerous to be in the line of fire of the FBI or the DOJ when they need to uh, drag people out in front of the cameras and show some kind of result, whether they have evidence or not. And there's an example of that today, and we'll talk about it. Um, lots of fun to see Facebook crash yesterday. I enjoyed every second of it because I know I probably wouldn't like any of the people that work in their office in Silicon Valley, and apparently they were all panicked and beside themselves yesterday. Uh, there's no way that this isn't related to the whistleblower, Frances Haugen, who we've seen today. If you turned on any of the news this morning, she was appearing in front of Congress and was answering questions about Facebook and had nothing good to say about her longtime experience working for the organization and labeled them as harmful for children which is quite a claim. And she was pretty adamant about it. And I believe pretty credible. She had been, has been in all the meetings. Uh, I don't understand. I mean, she's a whistleblower, but I don't know if that really applies. That term is specific and tends to only be for protection from government agencies. I mean, she's a whistleblower, but she's now identified And yeah, I I wouldn't want Mark Zuckerberg angry at me, but I'm not sure he's ready to send out a hit squad. I don't know if her career was ever in doubt being somebody from inside Facebook willing to talk about how screwed up they are. No shocker that Facebook puts profit over the safety of its users, the billions of them, right? They don't care. And Zuckerberg's lost a lot of money in the last few days, billions himself, I think she testified that he's, you know, 51, 55% owner. I mean, what he says goes. The buck stops with him. That's what Sidney Blumenthal confirmed in the hearings this morning. And although they disagree, uh, they are covering themselves, claiming that it's time for Congress to create standard rules for the Internet. If Facebook has survived on Zuckerberg going before D.C., and eating crow and apologizing and promising to do better. That was the status quo he planned on, I believe, living out for his entire career and ownership of this social media god that is Facebook, that is Instagram. Well, now he's had a major and I believe intentional shutdown of all things Facebook. They had no emails. They had no access to their building. Their company ID cards, their access cards weren't working. So they completely, as they say, air-gapped themselves yesterday, right before a powerful insider, former leader, and employee was appearing before Congress. So they are covering their ass. They are disagreeing with um, her claims. But everything she claimed was questioned in detail, and she had tremendous, I would say, firsthand accounts And I thought she was very credible. I didn't see the whole testimony, but she was able to speak in detail. And considering the weight of this subject, I thought she did a pretty damn good job. 
for somebody that I thought a few days ago was going to be sort of an inside plant and was going to get out there in the hearings talking about all the information Facebook has about white supremacy. I really thought that's where this was going to go. No, she went after Facebook. She said it's dangerous for kids. She says, and particularly teenage girls, Instagram accounts are essentially overlooked for young people. They don't want to know about eight-year-olds. She mentioned some famous eight, you know, someone who was eight at the time, JoJo something, who's massive on Instagram, who admitted openly to the CEO of, of Instagram that she's had an account since she was eight. And I believe it's the same as Facebook. You can't have an account until you're 13. Well, Francis Haugen, the whistleblower, was talking about how Anytime they check, there's hundreds of thousands of these underage accounts, and she insinuated that they only care a little bit, and they really don't care at all, if those accounts are pulled. And um, so it sounds like, my theory in this is it's a bit like the tobacco industry. They know the rules, but at the same time, they need a future. And it has been a while. Facebook's future with young people has been in jeopardy, hence this smart acquisition of Instagram. Because... My kids and kids that you know probably don't use Facebook, but they use Instagram and they use other things, and they're competing with Snapchat and TikTok. Hence, Instagram now has Reels, right? They're head-to-head, and it's for our kids. And Facebook is tired. Facebook is, is what us old folk use, right? It's dated. And so any young people that Mark Zuckerberg could grab and get hooked on Facebook is the future of Facebook. And this isn't Facebook. This is Mark Zuckerberg. That's the one thing Francis Haugen made clear is Mark Zuckerberg is responsible for all of the strategic decisions made at Facebook. So I enjoyed seeing them suffer because they have been a part of the conspiracy in painting Republicans as white nationalists since Donald Trump was inaugurated and a bit before he was elected. They are a part of the Democratic strategy. The Democrats can count on them, right? Zuckerberg is a massive leftist Democrat. So whenever he talks about justice, like any of them, when they talk about justice, it's a scary time. Things are going to change. They're going to have to start regulating. The problem is, what does that look like, right? Are they going to stop spying on people? Are they going to be able to market the way they do? I would not want to own Facebook stock right now. Might be a good buy in about six months, but I think they're in trouble because a, a number of things that they would have depended on for future revenue could be in serious trouble if they have to you know, start being more private or respect privacy more. You may not even even if you can opt out of things, you may not be given the option of having Facebook artificial intelligence like algorithms learn you. And you know how it is. All of a sudden you mention something and there's an ad for something in that product category right in your Facebook or Instagram feed. I'm sure just by talking right now, I'm, I'm affecting my phone and it's listening. And it's scary when you have give yourself time to think about it. So what happens next, right? I mean, Facebook has no choice to make actual changes. Mark Zuckerberg's not going to be able to go up here in front of this same group, right, in his suit, unlike Jack Dorsey at Twitter. Zuck got, gets on the Zooms in his suit and just says, sorry, it's smart. The, the lizard man himself ain't going to cut it. So we'll have to see um, what's what's in store. But uh, I don't think it's good for Facebook. I just hope it doesn't make social media worse for us conservatives. We'll do an update on Joe Biden. He went to Michigan today. Typical Joe trying to stump 
for uh, the big, massive um, infrastructure package. What's amazing about that is they could have passed something for about $1.2 trillion last week, right? And that takes us to the Kristen Cinema story. We can, we can start that one now. And it's really a pathetic deal. Cinema and Mansion are the two Democrat holdouts in the Senate. We've talked about them a number of times. They are, I'm certain they're not going to avo- agree to anything at the $3 trillion level. What they forgot is that they are going against the progressive wing. These are the same people that attacked anybody that supported Judge Kavanaugh, right? That's, that's the best. That was the, one of the key examples of when things were going to get real nasty after Trump began to go to work. And that hasn't changed. Trump, whether he's ever in office again, whether he's really ever around, the leftist feminazi that makes up that group and the men that are in that group too are forever changed. They are encouraged now to be as violent and as disrespectful as possible. These are the people you can find, if you know any of them, I'm sorry for you, you can find in their social media feeds if you had time and were totally bored, their calls for civility anytime they don't get their way or anytime their side is on the losing end. You can see a number of social media news organizations like Jezebel, right? Great example of posting about bullying and girls being the victims of bullying. And they're the same ones now who said bullying can affect someone for life. They're the same ones now encouraging bullying, same word, of Kristen Cinema because she doesn't want to sign off on a massive progressive leftist socialist communist spending package. She's against it. She's a moderate. She's one of the last few, and she's really not that moderate. She's moderate compared to the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. Well, now you have people doing what they did in on the congressional floor back when Kavanaugh was being nominated. They did it to Jeff Flake, a disgrace that he was, who was on the Judiciary Committee. They confronted him in the elevators. This is what these women do. They go out and they scream at you. They film you. And they act as ambassadors for the rest of us because they think they know better. The world revolves around these Karen bitches and they are going to decide what's best for us and their kids because their kids and our kids are the same. They know what's better. These are the women that drove us nuts and ruined our lives as teachers. And we all had a few. Doesn't matter if you're a guy or a gal or a third option, whatever you want to call that. You might identify us. It doesn't matter. We had a teacher. We had one of those look down her nose, down her glasses, bifocal bitches that treated us like shit and thought that anything alpha was wrong. And they went into teaching to destroy all things. Boy, sorry, I had at least three. And uh, now these women are in the halls of Congress telling senators like Jeff Flake, how dare you? How dare he not have the FBI investigate everything Kavanaugh did since he was 13. And of course, Flake flaked and asked for a seven-day extension. The FBI went out, did what it could do, and found nothing. Now they're confronting Kristen Cinema, Senator Cinema from Arizona, in the restroom. I'm telling you right now, somebody does that to me in the restroom, they're getting punched. I don't care if they're filming. That is assault. That is way over the line. It's threatening. They're now yelling at her on airplanes. And this is the funny thing. This is the same liberal group. This is the people that we've known that think yelling and condescending people is a way to convince them. They think that's going to compel people. Look what they've done with COVID vaccines. They haven't learned. They're stupid fucking idiots. 
And now they're going to do the same thing to Kristen Cinema. I hope she reacts like we did with two middle fingers. And like basically you are now justifying, you are showing me that I made the right decision because these people yelling at her have no idea what's in the $3.5 trillion package. They don't have a clue. Okay, they don't know that there's $15 million set aside for gender identification support for older Americans. That's right. Just a little bit, $15 million. Gender identification support for older Americans. Your taxpayer, your your dollars, your your taxpayer funds go into that. That's infrastructure. They love that word. It has nothing to do with the roads and bridges Nancy Pelosi claims Republicans don't want to build. Sorry, woman, that was definitely going to be taken care of in the $1. trillion package. And that is what Cinema's mad about. She was incensed that the progressive wing hijacked this, the Democrats, and all came together 40 plus and said, we're not going to vote in favor of a $1.2 trillion package going to the force. So Pelosi didn't even bother bringing it. So what do they do? They're going to attack the two senators. Now, Manchin, I don't think they have the guts. I think I think they know him well enough that if they do that, he might dig in and actually lower the number just to spite them. Cinema's an unknown. I don't know what she'll do. I know she's the one woman out of all the dingbats wearing white. I believe it was two years ago, two and a half years ago, when Trump gave his uh, State of the Union speech and talked about the troops, the bitches in white, AOC, Pelosi, all of the supposedly strong that all fell in line and wore the same outfit, they sat. They didn't stand. Cinema in pink looking much better in by any measure you can think I'm speaking of, looking much better, stood and cheered enthusiastically, didn't wear white. So she is a wild card for them. Now that you'd think, well, these these are the women, aren't they the ones that want independent, strong women thinking for themselves? Absolutely not. That's never been the case with liberal feminists. When they say independent, strong thinking women, they mean women who think like they do, women who are liberal. It's the same with the majority of black Democrats. They don't want free, they don't want strong black Americans. They want liberal black Americans. They don't want independent thinking unless someone says I'm an independent thinker and I agree with the left. Well, then you're you're supported and you're praised. But if you go any other way, you're the face of white supremacy, Larry Elder in California. This is the same for cinema. She's not going with the flow. She's not down with the agenda. And so they're going to attack her. I hope it backfires. Um, they're making some progress with Manchin. I mean, Manchin's going to have to vote for it at some number. Um, now he's saying he's open to spending over $1.5 trillion. He's saying, I'm not ruling anything out. My guess right now, I was going to guess something in the neighborhood of 1.7 was going to get passed because something's going to get passed. They're going to wear Manchin out. Biden's going to beg him. Biden needs something. And it's going to be a moderate win for Biden, lukewarm, if he lands in the $2 trillion area. Now, again, that's assuming the progressives come around. Now, the progressives led by Priamal or whatever her name is in the House, she's admitted that they're probably not going to get $3.5 trillion. So Manchin's going to come up. She's going to come down. And if it goes to the Senate, they got to get Cinema too, right? So Cinema brings them to 50. And that'll be 50-50 if the Republicans hold. I think they will. And then Kamala Sweet Harris comes in as the vice president. 
runs the Senate that day and she casts the deciding vote. Um, but, you know, Biden's talking, he's saying he's a capitalist. He said that today. <laughs> he's insisting that he's a capitalist. They're still out there saying, first, they said it will cost $0. That the $3.5 trillion will cost $0. Now, Jen Psaki's saying, no, it'll cost $0 if you make less than $400,000 a year, which I think is a lie as well. Don't buy that. But again, let's say she's telling the truth. Well, that's not $0, right? You're talking $400,000 per household, right? There are, a, there are a lot of households that file joint that make $400,000 or more. So you're going to take money from them. People that invest in things, people that hire people to do things, they're going to have less because you're going to tax them to pay for benefits, programs, for people that don't pay taxes, right? That money is not an investment if it's not coming back. So they know the risk. They know where this goes. This is just them consolidating power. And Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema are standing in the way of the 3.5. Progressives still say they won't vote in favor of a $1.5 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill until the Senate passes the president's full spending bill. This is from Fox Business. Manchin and fellow moderate... Kristen Cinema of Arizona have both said they will not accept a spending bill with a $3.5 trillion price tag. The impasse between moderates and progressives forced Nancy Pelosi to delay a planned vote for the $1.5 trillion bipartisan bill. That would have passed last week. All the roads and bridges would have been funded. The real infrastructure. But again, that isn't enough because it's not putting billions or hundreds of millions into things that are for climate change, which let's be real. There will never be anything passed by Congress and signed by a president in the name of climate change that doesn't give the government more power. You won't be able to find any kind of climate change initiative, proposed or passed or otherwise, that takes power away from the government. So it's an amazing, beautiful thing that they make it a priority because anything they can drag across the finish line in the name of climate change will give the government more power, will give them more money, more of our money, right? And um, this is, you know, this is the rub. Now, while Manchin's remarks suggested Democratic leaders are making progress on the negotiations, some differences remain. House Progressive Caucus Chair, this is Pramila Jayapal. She's from Washington State. Can you imagine the neighborhood she lives in? I'm sure it's uh, super progressive. She pushed back on Biden's proposed compromise range during a virtual meeting Monday pushing instead for a bill of at least $2.5 trillion. So that's probably her number. Will she go below that? Who knows? If she says $2.5 trillion, she's definitely not going to below, go below something that is two something, right? She's, she's going to demand that Manchin meets her at the two. I'm guessing they come across with $2 trillion, which is still too much, way too much. I mean, it's pretty crazy that we're talking about moderates who are okay with spending $1.5 trillion or 1.9 over the next 10 years when we're already 30 trillion in debt. And it was like 15 years ago, we were only 5 trillion. This isn't going to get any better. We've got to start making enough money to pay some of that off. And um, we'll see. The Republicans don't want to raise the debt ceiling. Um, I think they're going to continue to fight that, and they should. Uh, this, is, this is something that could get ugly very fast. Um, but you have to look at it from a Republican perspective. You have no power right now. We have none. We don't have the House. We don't have the Senate. 
luckily they're all very close. I mean, right now the House hinges on like five or six votes, the Senate on two. So you can't lose many people. And um, Nancy Pelosi won't bring anything to the House floor unless she knows it's going to pass, which I think is a good strategy. She's very strategic. This was rare for her to not be able to get everybody together on something. And it shows how progressive the Democrats are becoming. At the same time, you have Biden trying to hold direct talks. He's going around in Michigan, and we'll talk about this now, slurring his speech. Um, He traveled to Michigan today to speak to a small, unenthusiastic crowd at Union Hall which is God knows where in Michigan. MSNBC was there. It says an area, a city called Howell, Howell, Michigan, right? Little town somewhere. During his speech, he slurred his words, mumbled about Grand Pop and a Jargie station. No one knows. J-A-R-G-E-E is the best that Gateway Pundit could spell it. No idea what he meant there. Slurred more words and then finished off spouting some gibberish, which is what Joe Biden gets away with doing. Um, it's according to people on Twitter, it's a pretty amazing performance. Um, a guy that I follow on Twitter, his name is cat turd at cat two T's turd two wrote, I could drink a six, 12 pack and not slur this much. Um, the national embarrassment laughing stock continues. You can see that on Twitter and social media. Um, but he, you know, Biden's out there with doom and gloom. We're going to lose our edges a nation talked about grand pop not corn pop and in the background which is great there are chants of fuck joe biden f joe biden going which now should be if you haven't heard should be let's go what is it let's go jared this nascar i don't know if you heard about this it went viral um (laughs) and and I'll, i'll jump to it now nbc reporter was interviewing a brandon's let's go brandon Brandon Brown, I don't follow NASCAR. He won the Xfinity race on Saturday for his first National Series wins. I think this was at Talladega. Um, And there's crappy weather. They had a nice break weather. Interviewing him after the win, and the F. Joe Biden chant starts in the background. Now, the NBC reporter on site and one in the studio all knew what it was saying, but she was like, oh, listen to the crowd. They're cheering, "Let's uh, let's go Brandon. Well, immediately now, hashtag let's go Braden. Brandon is code for F. Joe Biden. Post it anywhere you want. It is viral. And so um, that let's go Brandon, but translated uh, to the absolute, was being chanted while Joe Biden was in Michigan today, today accomplishing nothing. I, I don't know. I don't know what they what they want from the guy when they when they make him get on a plane and travel. He's already going to be tired and for him to get out in front of people and there's nobody there for him. This is the, you know, supports the fallacy of him receiving 81 million votes nationally. No way it happened. Um, but he's, uh, he's going to continue the struggle as long as he can get through the next couple years. Uh, but he's out there trying to get some political capital going for this spending package, I think he's going to land on the $2 trillion mark. He's going to end up signing something because the Democrats are freaking out. The guy has accomplished nothing in his first year. They have no wins to hang their hat on. This might help them a little bit in midterms, but that's a year away. They need The longer this lingers, the worse it gets. If Biden can sign something in the next two weeks, it's going to, I don't know if it'll give him a bump in his abysmal re- approval ratings, which dip below 40% in some polls, but what it will do is we'll stop it. It'll hedge it off. It might get him over 40 again for at least a time being, and then they can regroup 
and decide what the hell they're going to do next before they start campaigning for each other and trying to save the House and the Senate in November of 2022. It's not looking good for them, but it's a long ways off. And the campaigns are going to start and it's going to be all about Trump. We can predict that for you now. It's going to be all about Trump. You don't want, you're going to elect Trump if you elect this Republican. Um, Between now and then, we have the ongoing race between Terry McAuliffe and uh, Youngkin, the really from nowhere Republican, non-swamp guy, really like how he sounds. And uh, Terry McAuliffe did Youngkin a favor when he said parents shouldn't have a choice in what schools teach. He did that in the debate a week ago. And that is now, and it should be, the rallying cry for the Yunkin campaign. He brings it up in every interview like a good politician would. It is a damning statement. And if it can hurt McAuliffe with independence, which it should, and bolster some Republican turnout, then Yunkin might win. Um, the polls have tightened. I mean, it's a plus or minus three or four, meaning... And Youngkin's not been ahead in any of them, but he's going in the right direction. And that's what matters as you head down the final one month before their election, which is the first week of November. That's a big one. And there are going to be some congressional elections as well, state houses and whatnot, that should give us an indication on the damage Joe Biden has done to the Democrats. Terry McAuliffe should be safe. He was governor in Virginia for four years, from 2014 to 2018. And now he's having to campaign his ass off to win it back in 2021. It's a scary time. If he were to lose that, you will see massive panic in the Democratic Party. What's great about the Democrats is they don't change strategies when they lose. They haven't for the 30 years I followed them. They didn't change strategies after they lost seats in 2002 when it's customary after a new Republican wins, two years later, the Democrats usually gain and they lost, and they still stay on the same negative doom and gloom strategy, which during negative and doom times, like COVID, can work, and it did work with with Trump. I mean, I don't know how the election really should have been, but a lot of people voted for Biden that would not have voted for Biden had it not been for COVID and their fear tactics. It's what they do, and they're going to try to scare people into voting in Virginia the same way they did a year ago all over the country, scaring them, scaring Virginians, getting that Northern Virginia nauseating Starbucks white liberal crowd to show up because they're afraid of COVID. They're afraid and they have nightmares and they tell ghost stories of Donald Trump. That's how sick these people are. If you're on social media, you know what I'm talking about. We'll see. But uh, Yunkin is not um, not doing bad. I'm going to check one of the polls here before I switch. I have one right here. They released it on October 4th. And this is interesting because, and I picked it between um, Terry McAuliffe and Republican Glenn Youngkin. And it's interesting um, when you look at likely voters, and this is a compilation of polls from the 538. That is a very much a left-wing guy running it. His name's Nate Silver. And he has some skill, but he has whiffed big time. Whenever Republicans are in favor He's the guy the left goes to for comfort. And he missed big in 2016. He missed a lot of areas. He missed in some areas in 2020 as well. And he has, so this is Nate Silver compiling polls. He's got of likely voters, McAuliffe at 47.3%, Yunkin at 44.4%. So he's, Yunkin's within 3% in this compilation of polls. And what's key is, Although there's not an incumbent, McAuliffe is kind of an incumbent because he's been governor before, and he is well below 
well below. That is important. That means, and it's being called a toss-up. That is huge that Glenn Youngkin can get this within, we're still four weeks away. If he can keep the momentum, he will pass him and beat him. Now watch out for that if you're following this race, and you should. There are going to be lies thrown out. Terry McAuliffe used to run the DNC. This guy is a snake, right? He is going to come up with anything he can say. There will be an October surprise. It will be false, and it will be nasty. So Youngkin's got to get enough of a lead and enough turnout in early voting, which has already started. It's been like a week. I mean, it's crazy. So is Youngkin going to build enough lead or do well enough with early voting, assuming Republicans are going to show up more on Election Day? But um, it's interesting, you know, uh, historically, Virginia gubernatorial races have favored whichever party is not in the White House. But McAuliffe edged out a guy named Cuccinelli by 2.6% points back in 2014. That was when Obama was president. So it hasn't always held. And um, but this will this will be interesting because even this article from a left of center paper inside of inside OVA, uh, they expected everyone expected McAuliffe to have a comfortable win. And now those predictions have shifted in recent weeks. Um, It's interesting because um, the Cook political report, which is pretty reliable, they've shifted it from a leaning Democrat to a toss up. And inside elections has changed the prediction from being likely Democrat to only leaning. Then the uh, Sabato crystal ball put the race as leaning Democrat, which I'd say it still is. And I'd be worried if the election were next week or sooner. But watch the momentum there. Watch as people learn about Terry McAuliffe saying they shouldn't have any say in how their kids are taught. At the same time, this is going to be important for anyone who doesn't want COVID hysteria affecting how their kids learn in public schools. And this is going to be a real referendum on where parents are with COVID in schools. This is is a great bellwether for me. It may be airtight. It may be a wipeout for one side. Who knows? This one's going to be close. This isn't going to be like the recall because those polls in the recall had it as much as 10 points apart going into it. And Elder didn't have a chance. You could tell by the way I was talking about it right before I was worried. I don't believe he lost the way as much as they counted votes for. I think the Democrats overshot. And it should burn them, but there in California, there will be absolutely no oversight, especially with the federal government being run by Joe Biden and his political um, allies. Uh, let's talk about Stuart Scheller, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller. He's no longer in the brig. It broke my heart. I saw his parents on Fox News, the only news station that would talk to him last week, asking for help, asking for people to call their congressmen and senators to get the 17-year veteran out and try to get him to keep his benefits. I don't know what he gets at 17 years because you got to do 20 to qualify for retirement. I don't think you, you don't get anything from the government in ways of a pension or retirement in the military unless you've served 20 years active duty or there's an equation on how I don't forget how it works for reservists. Um, But there's no details on the agreement to get him out. I think the Marines had to buckle. I think they stepped back and said the optics of the the optics of this are bad. We got a guy that said bad things about his leadership and now we've thrown him in jail and we haven't so much as really preferred any charges on him. Really, this is something this is going down what's called judicial punishment. And what he did is more of a what they call in the military, a non-judicial punishment, where his commander would call him in, read him off what's called an Article 15. 
And you can hammer somebody, you can dock pay, and you can kick them out of the Air Force. The commander can do that. Now, it goes through legal. But the legal, the legal office at whatever base he's stationed at as a Marine, they would have, um, they would have backed it, you know, for what he did going on. He's at Camp Lejeune, so this whole, and you can actually put someone in the brig through non-judicial punishment through Article Fifteen. You can do all that. And, you know, commander can't just arbitrarily do it. The commander writes it up, and it goes through legal. Legal says, "Yep, this is what the guy did. He's not fighting it." They march him in. The commander reads it. The guy's punishment, he begins serving his punishment right away. Rarely is it resulting in confinement. Typically, he'd just been kicked out. But they made something of this. They really wanted to march him out and punish him. And um, we'll see where this goes. I hope we won't hear anything if the press gets bored of it. Um, but he was fired from his command job after he came out and spoke against his his leadership. Um, he's only you know, he's three years away from securing a 20-year pension. He's not going to see that. There's no way. And I, he didn't care. He said he didn't care. So I, I I, guess I still feel bad for him. I don't know what his family thinks of that because that's money he would have received from us for the rest of his life, well-deserved as a combat veteran. Um, but his controversial YouTube videos and Facebook posts um, you know, came out soon after the August 26th suicide bomb attack at Hamid Karzai International Airport in Afghanistan that killed 13 U.S. troops. And more than 160 Afghan civilians. God, it's terrible every time I read it. Um, he criticized his military and government officials even after his command ordered him to stop. He might have gotten a free pass. I'll give him credit. He's got balls. That's not easy to do when your commanders say, hey, cease and desist. That's an order. He disobeyed it. And he's going to pay the price. And he should. You know, I, I, we agree with him. A lot of civilians, a lot of pundits who agree with him are coming to his total defense because he spoke his mind. I'm sorry, when you're in the military, you're in the Marine Corps, especially as an officer and a commander, you don't get to speak your mind. Not publicly. That's for private. You can speak it in your private lives. You can vote the way you want. You can contribute. You can donate money to anybody you want, unless it's like a terrorist group. But, you know, the the, um, Uniform Code of Military Justice is a separate set of laws that really have no relation to the U.S. Constitution. You don't have First Amendment rights especially when you're an active duty Marine officer, which he is. And uh, he's going to be punished for it, and he should be. You just can't, you can't do it. You can't do it even if you agree with what he says. But throwing him in jail, acting, basically treating him like a political prisoner was a terrible move. It's a terrible look. And the most, the abomination here is that he's the only one being punished after all of this psychotic nonsense that went down in Afghanistan. And you have the arrogant, defunct military leadership going before hearings, acting as if they've done nothing wrong. The Secretary of Defense, all these people, Department of Homeland Security, that leadership, uh, the Attorney General, acting as if they've done nothing wrong with our crisis on the southern border. Since we last spoke, thousands of Haitians have poured across our southern border. God knows where they're going. Um, you You have no interest from the Biden administration in fixing it. They just don't want to deal with it. They don't like it. It's a political lightning rod for them because anything they do to secure the border makes them look like they agree with Donald Trump. That that was Donald Trump's biggest issue of his 2016 campaign. Should have been an issue more so in 2020, and it would have been had it not been for COVID. But anything that Biden does to bolster the border makes it look like he agrees with Donald Trump. They won't do anything that does that, no matter how right it is. Even if Barack Obama, 
who in a recent interview comes out and basically says, hey, uh, yeah, we're a sovereign nation. We have to have a secure border. It doesn't matter. They'll just ignore it. They have to ignore it because their constituency can't allow them, can't abide by them doing anything that aligned with the bad orange man. Now, an interesting thing happened. There's been a lot of news. And of course, that when there's a lot of news, we're beholden to the journalism school students who've never had real jobs to decide what we should know about. Um, but the Washington Post, the Guardian, some big hammers, big hammers came out with this Pandora paper story. Follow it if you can. But it shows what we've always believed. And it's that George Soros funded a number of of what are called NGOs, which are nonprofit organizations that operate independently of any government. And all these NGOs were starting up other organizations that were designed to manipulate the press, manipulate the news, right? And this was all started, this all came big time to a head before Donald Trump was elected in 2016. And rather than going away, it gained more steam and more money from Soros once he was elected to then destroy him and make sure he was defeated in 2020, if not impeached before that. But there's tons, tons of connections to this illegal money, um, this behind the scenes money, going to Black Lives Matter, Color of Change, MoveOn.org, right? That's one of Soros's big, big organizations, right? And it's pretty creepy because, um, and this is from Gateway Pundit, the entire operation is a carefully coordinated media campaign waged for shady purposes by the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. That's one of those NGOs. And it's funded by George Soros and the Open Society Foundations. Now, this is scary. What is the Open Society Foundations? Oh, well, the Open Society Foundations work to build vibrant and inclusive democracies whose governments are accountable to their citizens. Yet, Right here, you look up Open Society Foundations. George Soros says he wants to build governments accountable to their citizens. Bullshit. Governments that can be manipulated. This is horrifying. And, and, and it's being exposed, shockingly, by the Washington Post and The Guardian. Um, it's pretty creepy. These guys have been around since 1997. Um, it's they funded the set anytime you hear titles like the center for public integrity you know it's shady right if a liberal is starting something that sounds idealistic it's corrupt when they say justice it means punishment for people they don't agree with okay so follow the pandora papers let's see if this goes anywhere unfortunately these things are coming out maybe intentionally when democrats run all the committees in congress because they're not going to do anything Right, And they love the Facebook story right now. That gives all the hot air away from stories like this. Because when you look, you go to the Gateway Pundit and you look at the story in the Pandora Papers, they have a visual of all the organizations that Soros and his cohorts funded under the table. They're, none of them are right wing. None of them are Republican. There's a lot of Obama relation, AOC relation. There's a lot going on here. And this is about, um, you know, a big information dump. Right. And so this is uh, they, they've got access to 11.9 million confidential files on offshore bank accounts and companies in 200 countries. So this is the way Soros and people like him keep their money laundered away from our campaign and um, PAC organization funding laws. So it's a big story. I'm always skeptical. I'm always skeptical, skeptical to see where these things um, where they go. 
because um, I don't feel like I should. we should all get our hopes up. Like someone's going to get in trouble, like Barack Obama's going to have to say sorry. He doesn't say sorry, right? Again, liberals never apologize. They don't do anything wrong. They don't care if they blow up kids in Afghanistan. They make the military come out and say sorry. They don't care if they completely botch an evacuation, a drawdown. They never feel bad because remember, they're smarter than we do and we're lucky to have them leading us. So any mistake they made is really going to benefit us anyway. That's what they really believe. And that's what we have to be. We have to be aware of that and understand that their whole motivation is to control us because that is what's best for us. They think taking over our lives, right? Funding this massive stimulus, having 600 more IRS agents hired, to watch your bank transactions. They want to do that. They want to know everything about your Venmo, your PayPal, anything $600 or over, they want the ability to tax it, whether it's your kids or you, a family doesn't matter. They want to get deep into our personal lives, right? It's not just the second amendment. It's not just your social media and what you say. They want to know what you're doing with your own money. It could be money you've already paid taxes on. It doesn't matter. If they can classify it as income at $600 or more, they're coming after a percentage of it. That is what they believe. Because guess what? You don't need it as much as their constituents need it. And you'll be surprised. You think, well, that's crazy. Who would want that? Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of people out there that have bought into the socialist progressive nature of the Democrats. When they hear the number 600, They don't think in terms of that much money. So they'll support it once they realize anything that the government takes out of the $600 I might give you, you know, for something you did for me, they think, great, I want, why why shouldn't I get a piece of that? Those are rich people because they have started this class warfare years ago and they're they're fanning the flames and it's scary. Um, Thanks for listening in. I appreciate uh, your commitment to the podcast and some of the comments I've received. Going to try to be back tomorrow. Again, it's Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday's a good night for me. I want to try to get at least four more shows in this week before I travel again. Thank you so much. God bless. Have a great day, and we will talk to you soon.